Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. This is episode 75 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. Welcome to Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, hello everyone and welcome. Merry Christmas if you celebrate. I am your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you know what? I'm going to let this ride a little bit here. Ready? On we go. Through the snow. Bells are ringing. We'll be singing. Jingle the jingle the jing jang Jingle the jingle the jing jang you know why I love this song so much? Why is that? It's actually a Thanksgiving song. <laughs> yeah, you actually know you're wrote right. It, he penned it. It was for hold Thanksgiving. Hold on, hold on. Thanks, Babs. Wow. You see, now I wanted to include this. Um, because, you know, this obviously, yes, it is a Thanksgiving song, but uh, this Barbra Streisand, this album, the Christmas album that she had done was my mother's favorite album uh, for Christmas. And that was her favorite Christmas song. So today's music will be brought to you by uh, Babs and uh, my mom, Noreen Larson. I miss her so incredibly much. And uh, so I thought, hey, you know what? That's perfect. Screw it. You know, and it's it's just like a merry song. So whether you're celebrating Christmas today or Hanukkah today, or if you're celebrated Festivus coming up, (laughs) you know, all of us can be celebrating along. Gather around the large metal pole to the jingle bells by (laughs) by Babs. So as we said, uh, Mary and Blake were here. This is your holiday episode, and what an action-packed, fun interview we have for you. But before we jump into the interview, I wanted to let you know that today's episode, our 75th episode is brought to you by you guys, our patrons. So it's because of you uh, amazing listeners who sent as little as $1 a month all the way to $20 a month that we are able to reach our first goal of being able to pay our babysitter. That's right. (laughs) So we hope to keep moving forward to our next goal very soon. So if you have enjoyed today's episode and if you think that we provide enough value to your Outlander experience, please, 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 please consider donating a dollar or two to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash OutlanderCast. Again, that is Patreon. It's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash OutlanderCast. We hope to make this our full-time job. So please, just by you being awesome... And you can help us be awesome by bringing content to you on a weekly basis. That is the best way to help us out. So thanks again to all of our patrons because you are our sponsor. And I'm going to let you all know who they are. Nikki, Meredith, Teddy, Heather, Kara, Kirsty, Catherine, Joyce, Emily, Kirsten, Brenda, Marianne, Gail, Robert, Peggy, Christina, Anna or Anna. You never know. <laughs> Ashley, Kathleen, Anna or Anna as well. Regina and Emily. Thank you guys so much for becoming patrons. 
I love you. Blake Thank loves you. you. And yes. for all of you who want to learn more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash outlandercast. And when you're there, you can also help us go forward with our Gone Lander series that we've been talking about. This is our second installment of the Gone Lander interviews. Gone Lander, of course, means they are no longer with us. That's right. And today we are bringing you Mrs. Fitz. So, my love, are you ready to get into Mrs. Fitz? Yes. Oh, that sounds really bad. Uh, are you ready to get into the interview with Mrs. Fitz? Much better, yeah. <laughs> Babs, take it away. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your hearts be light. So joining us today is Annette Badland, From an English actress known for a wide range of roles on television, radio, and film. She has been in the likes of Doctor Who, The Spartacle Mystery, Cutting It, Skins, Wizards, Versus Aliens, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and most recently in the BBC soap EastEnders. But we all know her as the loving, warm, and maternal Mrs. Fitz at Castle Leoc on our favorite show on Stars, Outlander. Annette, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Outlander Cast today. It's my great pleasure. I'm thrilled to be doing it. So tell me, have you read the books of Outlander, and, and did you read the books prior to getting your role as Mrs. Fitz? No, I haven't, because I want to watch the series, so I haven't read uh, up until book eight. I did read the first book after I was cast. I actually didn't know about them at all, um, but then when I Googled um, and saw how popular it was in the States and Germany, Italy, um, I was intrigued, so uh, got the first book in order to do some research, too, to get involved in the world and also see what I could glean about the characters and Mrs. Fitz and and do a bit of uh, sort of uh, homework. Uh, so you, t- you Googled uh, the information, and so did you really grasp how um, big and important this was to so many people? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Had no concept of how huge it was. You know, um, a meeting, Diana, you don't get the sense of, you know, a terribly important author who's, you know, full of themselves or has this enormous history. She's a wonderful, funny, warm human being. Um, so you get no sense of the enormity of it at all. Mm-hmm. What was that meeting like uh, when you first met Diana? I know a lot of our fans uh, really, really admire her. And talk about that experience. Uh, did you, was she fun and quirky? Was she down to earth? What was that like? She was very straightforward. She was very funny. It was in the makeup truck, of course, uh, because she did the scene in that first series. We actually worked together. Mm-hmm. So um, she was in the makeup truck being humiliated along with the rest of us uh, first thing in the morning and having makeup applied and hair done and all of that sort of thing. So she was absolutely direct, no nonsense, uh, and just fun to be with and really tackled that part so well, you know, grasping the accent, the whole caboodle. Mm -hmm. 
And so you have that great scene with her where you guys kind of go back and forth. <laughs> you know, that's one of those things that I, I've always wanted to know, which was here you are, you're in your character and she's in her character. But you, you kind of got to go at this lady who's wrote this, who's written this amazing series. How many takes did it, did it take to uh, to get that that scene correct? I think we only did it twice. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we are experienced women of the world. <laughs> well, it came out great. It was it was one of those scenes that um if if you read it on paper you'd be like, "Oh, come on." But when when it when you saw it on the screen, it was uh the the tone and the way that everything was delivered, it was absolutely perfect. Were you nervous at all that you kind of had to put her down a little bit? Uh not that I was nervous working with her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's um, people talk about being starstruck and, um, you know, if they, they meet us and they can't believe you're someone who's in film and television. But actually the same applies to us. You know, if you you meet someone you admire, you have the same trepidation. So uh, it, it was uh, terribly important to get it right. But it was absolute fun. It was, I mean, we had the rehearsals first and because it was, physical and we had to climb up onto the the balcony i mean she really suffered it was terribly hot up there really really hot uh, and at least uh, cat and i were walking through the crowd and coming up the staircase and so we didn't suffer quite as much as she did but um yeah she was she was a brave person too she uh you know she could have fainted one woman fainted that day wow. uh, because of the extreme heat because it was elevated mm-hmm. and the lights um uh, so she did terribly, terribly well and didn't frighten me, you know, was was just very warm and everything. But inside I was, the little tummy was whirring around a little bit. <laughs> she might have bitten back, mightn't she? I was so rude to her. She might have, <laughs> there might have been a cat fight. <laughs> I would pay money to see that. I really would. That's a pay-per-view right there. Uh, t- yeah, but we had supper to get, you know, the whole cast had supper. Ron um, honored Diana when she came across and uh, and we had a wonderful evening. Um, and I was lucky to be at the same table as she was. So that that was great. That supper, was that something that was done before the filming or is that like a tradition that you would do um, each day of filming or? Or just to oh, get no, to know everybody. Oh no! It was a special event. Ron um, held a special supper for her in honour because she came across to England and or Scotland, and um, and so it was it was to celebrate her being there. So it was a very special occasion. Speaking of special occasions, and Ron, let's talk about your casting. How did you find out about this role, and what was the uh-huh. casting process like? <laughs> it was a very very hot summer and I didn't meet Ron initially I met the casting director Suzanne Smith and went along and read one of the scenes um, which she put on tape and then Ron came across a little while later and as I say it was terribly hot and Suzanne's offices don't have air con and it's in a noisy part of town by a station, so she had to close all the windows, and we were shut in this tight, hot space. Um, and I was extremely nervous being called in in front of Ron, but he was extraordinary and very calm. Um, I think I read it once for him, and we just talked. And immediately, Ron has a great... Um, depth to him and you sense that 
and it calms you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, I just love being in a room with him. He's, um, you know, again, he's someone who could be very big-headed and uh, a big show-off, and he's not at all. He's uh, very centered and graceful and gracious, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a, a, a great treat in our profession to have someone who has those qualities. Did he give you any command. guidance, or did he give you any direction on what you should be doing um, during that? We, we talked a little bit about it, um, and because by then I had read the book, you know, I could, I could talk about her, so we discussed her. Um, but that was it, really, and then I was on tenterhooks for a few days before they said, come and be Mrs. Fitz. <laughs> did you mm-hmm. go in specifically for Mrs. Fitz, or was there another role that yeah. you had in mind? No, no, it was Mrs. Fitz that I... I read for. So how did you prepare for that role? Like once you got it, like, well, actually let's, let's do this. When you got the role, what was that like? Did, was it something like, was it a letter? Was it a phone call? How, how did that go down? It's it's always a phone call from your agent. Mm -hmm. It's never a letter these days. (laughs) (laughs) The world moves too quickly. (laughs) Um, So it was a call from my agent. Yeah. Um, which was thrilling, um, absolutely thrilling. My mother was a Scot, so there was another reason to be excited by it and able to go and, and be in Scotland and, and rediscover that part of myself. Um, so that was a great thrill. We started, I was uh, cast very early. When I was cast, there was only myself and Sam and Tobias Menzies cast. Wow. So I was one of the first three people to be cast. Soon others joined and I went down the, the, the pecking order. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, to begin with, we were the only three and Kat was cast quite late. Um, I had a trip up to Scotland for costume and met Terry, who is such a wonderful force of nature and so good at what she does. I don't. I'm sure you'll all know about the very exact nature of her costume making, and it's the finest detail. And you are actually wearing a period, cost, you know, clothes, not a costume, but you're wearing period clothes. Um, the pocket at this stage was just uh, two bags on a string around your waist, <laughs> and a slit in your skirt so that you could put your hand through into the pocket inside which is absolutely what we had. And she told me that women used to have a baby in one arm and they would have knitting in the other pocket uh, away from the baby and be able to, you know, sugar the baby up and down and knit at the same time. I mean, extraordinary. Um, So went up for the costume fittings. I met Sam, who uh, took my breath away, not merely because he's extremely attractive, (laughs) but because he is um, so well-mannered and polite and kind. And it's a thrilling combination to have this man who, again, could be terribly arrogant and um, know he's beautiful and, um, you know, not really want to share a room with someone like me, you know, because he's he's got, you know, better things to do. (laughs) Not at all. Sam is a well-brought-up young man and uh, an absolute delight to be with. So he was the first person I met. He was the first uh, cast member I met. And what was that that whole process like? You talked about you're talking about Sam currently, but uh, or Tobias or or with Cat. Like, what was it like 
creating that kind of dynamic with them. Like, you know, you have to play more of like a, a maternal figure to Sam in that, in that role. Yes. So what's that like? What's that process like? Well, Kat and I started very gently um, with the first director and we read scenes together. And of course, because we were um, up in Scotland and uh, it, it's actually quite good, I think, to be taken away from your home and be thrown, it's a little bit more like theatre that you're thrown into a company. Um, and Kat and I got on terribly, terribly well. Um, but it was like the beginning of a friendship. And we, you know, it, it started in a small way and small connections and discussing the scenes and the characters. Um, and it just grew and grew and we grew to love one another. So that was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um a great deal to do with Kat, who is very accessible and open. Um, and we, we had an absolutely genuine and warm time together. So uh, it's something I relish because it doesn't always happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> was that something like you guys would go out after you know shooting or was it just really like a... Uh, um, a professional relationship where you get up on set um, and that was that. Occasion, occasionally we went out to, but the shooting schedules are usually so difficult and in remote places and you, it's not easy. You just need to do the work for the most part, you know, especially just starting a project. I mean, this it's an unknown for everyone. Right. So uh, most people put a great deal of effort into those beginning stages. Um, and we were not... We were filming, you know, out of Glasgow. Um, Cumbernauld is, you know, quite a little journey where the studio is is, is out of out of Glasgow. So we were travelling there, you know, thirty minutes, fifty minutes a day each way, then working. So there wasn't a great time for going out, and um, we we managed it occasionally, of course. <laughs> and I've been up to see her and. Uh, uh, we keep in touch, so that's fantastic. And I've just joined Twitter very recently, uh, and the Outlander fans are astounding. But it's meant that uh, Kat and I have been more in in touch in a, in a very immediate, you know, just sending messages and um, supporting some of her charity work and things like that. So that's been fantastic. But the Outlander fans are amazing. They're absolutely amazing and supportive and. And warm. I was. I've always been very concerned about joining Twitter because of trolls, and um, I didn't think I would fare very well with all of that. But the Outlander fans are are just wonderful, right. wonderful community of people. They they embrace the people that they really, really, really love. Yes, and, and clearly, yes. you are one of them. <laughs> that 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 is that is without a doubt. Um, so I'm glad that you've had such a great experience on Twitter, uh, speaking directly <laughs> with fans. Yes. You know, yes. what's what's one of the weirdest questions you've ever received from a fan on Twitter? Can you can you relay that? They've they've all been uh, fairly civilized. So far. <laughs> <laughs> Today we've been sharing love of cats and how they dominate our lives, and uh, <laughs> they choose us, and uh, so we've we've had a little chat about cats. And of course, Kat's got her cat, Eddie, <laughs> uh, who's got its own Twitter you know, page. So uh, uh, I have a little chat to Eddie now and then. Yeah, Eddie the cat um, is a must follow. <laughs> yes. 
So you talked um, about starting this, um, starting this show, and it is a brand new show, and it can go in any direction. It can be anything, really. How did you prepare for your role? Like something like, have you ever like needed your own bread before? Have you ever done the things that Mrs. Mrs. Fitz does? Uh, and how did you get to that point? I don't make my own bread anymore, but yes, I, I have made my bread in the past. You look for connections. You find the things in yourself that are in the character, even however, you know, if there's a tiny, tiny speck of something in you that relates to the character you're going to play, I personally, anyway, try and find that and grow it, you know, sort of make it more extreme. I've just played um, in EastEnders, uh, a soap opera that we have here, a, a relatively villainous character, and you find, you know, the resentments and jealousies in you that you have and, and make that expand. So it was with Mrs. Fitz. Um, as I say, I w- I'm quite proud of my Scottish heritage and my maternal line. So I was very pleased to be able to, and my grandmother, my maternal grandmother was a a great cook and used to cook for the village and do the Christmas cakes and birthday cakes and and wedding cakes for people. Um, A gene that skipped my own mother. (laughs) (laughs) So I used to, uh, I used to cook a lot as well when I was Younger, I don't so much now. Um, so yes, uh, bread making. Uh, you research a little bit into the, the history of the period. Um, we had a wonderful voice coach, Carol Ann, who was fantastic. On I could discuss with her that she's a Scot, so we could investigate I could ask her questions um, we'd talk about making tablet which I, I know is an it's a, a kind of fudge it's a very sweet fudge that uh, my grandmother used to make when I was little and we'd go up for Hogmanay for New Year and uh, on the in the car coming back there'd be a tin of this tablet this fudge sitting beside me wrapped in greaseproof paper yeah. And it used to burn a hole in my brain <laughs> all the long journey back from Scotland to the middle of England, um, which took many hours in those days, you know. Um, and it, it used to just, I'd want to be in that tin straight away and it couldn't be broken into till we got home and, you know, cubes dispensed daily and not <laughs> eating the whole tin on the journey. So things like that, I tried to bring into Mrs. Fitz because my, my maternal grandmother was very loving too and um, was a, a miner's wife, Scottish miner's wife. Um, so I tried to tap into that part of my own history mm-hmm. and remember my family and how the Scots are and um, how they feel about strangers and outsiders. Um, and of course, Mrs. Fitz is quite suspicious of um, of Claire to begin with. Yeah, I actually so I was the, just about to bring that up because she has that great scene with her when, she, when she's like, "Well, Claire." Like I just thought that was so fantastic. Oh my word! What what a great little uh, bit of a uh, bit of character for, for Mrs. Fitz at that part. Yeah, I mean, 
such a strange being if you think you know Claire was such an oddity um you know an English and strange clothes and you know what what was this was it some you know plot against our clan uh, just what was going on she hadn't you know Mrs Fitz is quite canny and had no idea what was happening you know who this person was at all being brought into the castle so yes I think um, one would obviously be very suspicious of this person mm-hmm. and put her down a little bit put her in her place <laughs> well obviously <laughs> <laughs> yes and so, then give her a blooming good bath. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of our listeners know that I have a really severe Boston accent, and I am totally incapable of doing any other accent on this planet. It's just really bad. Um, what was it like for you to try to grab a hold of uh, of the Scott accent? Was there a dialect coach? or was there, I know you talked about a voice coach. I wasn't sure if that fell into their purview. Yes, yeah, she, she did dialect. Um, yeah, Carolan, who was absolutely amazing. And although we we had um, an interesting time because we the accent in the book should be far more from the Highlands. So we started down one route, but it was felt that the audience might not be able to access the accent very easily. So we had to modify it and dilute it slightly so that the audience could understand what we're saying. (laughs) Um, And certainly I know my partner uh, cannot unpick the Scottish accent. It just becomes a whole mesh of language he can't access at all. (laughs) So I was very aware that I didn't want other people not to understand what we were talking about because it's very basic that you need to know. Um, so, as I say, Caroline um, worked very diligently and with great humor. Um, we laughed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and she would, uh, she would listen to you and correct things. And she might, she would say a phrase for you. Uh, she was on the floor with us all the time. She would come when we were filming and, um, you know, pop in and say, oh, that slipped a bit, you know, you need to to watch out for this word or that word. Um, And although I have the Scottish heritage, it isn't my mother's accent at all. It's it's quite different. Um, But I relish it. I enjoy accents. I like kind of making that happen for myself and uh, there's a glorious moment where you're not actually really thinking about the accent. It is just happening. Um, and that's a wonderful dial that gets turned and you go, oh, and you can sail and you don't have to think about every syllable and consonant that you're saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're off on this little boat and you can, you can uh, improvise and, and just be real, which is fantastic. You know, you talked about actually uh, in a in a featurette that I watched um, about how the crew made a real living set uh, when, when it t- comes to the details of the set, and I thought that was such a a, a great vibrant uh, phrase and terminology for what you were trying to describe. And and I wanted to know, like specifically for like the kitchen, could you expand on that and and just highlight what you felt was so important and made that set so living. 
Well, we had real fire and the spit turning and real, well, dead animals and birds. And it really felt like a working kitchen. Um, the flour, the dough, everything was left to us. They would prep things, but we actually had to work, which for me was essential. Um, I don't like uh, pretending those things. And sometimes you have to when you're filming and... Uh, and I'm often frustrated by that. But we had that spit was turning, uh, you know, and people were basting a, a live animal or a live, you know, a dead bird, an actual beast that had been. Wow. Um, and it just, it even smelt right. But I guess that's because uh, the ingredients were the, the right ones. And uh, we were actually, you know, having fresh baked bread and was being brought onto the set so it was authentic and uh, it, it was a wonderful experience to have that um, activity you know all those you know people being industrious in a, uh, you know and the um, the vegetables everything um, were it was all real and often they are fake you'll get just a, a couple of things that you have to use that will be actual props and, and lots of things are you know, are, are false. But this this was a real kind of working kitchen, which was amazing. Is that pretty unique to that environment, uh, or is that something? I think I I think uh, I don't know about America because I haven't worked in the states. But um, certainly, often in English sets, it's budgets. I'm sure it's it's down to budgets, so they can't afford. You know, to have keep replacing uh, props all the time. You know, if, if if it's fruit and vegetables and and meat, and they can't afford to keep replicating that. So you'll have you know a plastic leg of lamb or haunch of venison, uh, whereas so much on Outlander is is the genuine thing. So you have all of the the genuine things that are in the kitchen, and you have um, Ron Moore as the showrunner, and and Meryl Davis as the producer, and uh, Terry Dresbach doing all of the costumes and, and then you have the books and the fans and it, it, what kind of pressure was there early, like on the early days and the early goings of, of the set like was, was there real pressure to on on the actors and the, and the creative teams um, psyche to get Terry, it right yeah Terry they had a difficult costume department had a um, you know were up against it vis-a-vis -vis time because it was cast so late so you know, lots of people, you know, being having the most wonderful costumes made for them in great haste. So, you know, they're to be commended because the the costume department had to work so hard to make it happen. Um, I personally didn't feel any... I felt diligence and joy and relish... Um, and people working very hard to make something happen. But as I say, Ron, he, I don't know how much pressure he was under, but certainly what he conveyed to us was a great calmness and strength. Um, so we were able to, we were released to get on with our work and, and do it and to uh, the best of our ability without external you know, pressures on us. So we, we could just relish the moment and, and the doing of our work. He held, an, again, an enormous um, supper before we began. 
which was a fantastic event at um, a, a golf club and we were all around the table with the creatives and it brought before we started work so we had we did have this huge gathering <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he spoke to us and there were pipers and um so we were all in the same world and i think that uh, is quite unusual these days certainly in england um everything is reduced now so you often aren't all together and inhabiting the same world before you start work and you turn up on the floor on the day and you know you fit in as best you can and you have a if you're lucky you'll have a conversation with the director and the other actors and 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 you do your the best you can at that time but i felt enormously privileged to be um not only rehearsing before we started filming but also to meet the other cast members and you get a flavor you start to create a world um you pick up from other actors and you sense how they are and what they're thinking about the show um and you start to create your own environment and world and existence together when you're on dinners like this which i imagine like as you have said are very very important to getting that kind of chemistry you would need to create a, a quality television show that the way you guys did is there anybody that you've clicked with like right off the bat where you where you just that was it you knew you had a great relationship and it was it made it so much easier for you or that other person cat yeah cat every time <laughs> <laughs> she was uh extraordinary and um uh, yeah, I am her Mrs. Fitz. I will always be kind of by her side mentally, I guess. Um, a lot of us got on so well. The boys are all very naughty, of course. <laughs> I got on well with Gary. We'd played um, man and wife previously, so I knew him. Um, and I know James Fleet. We've been man and wife on stage in habeas corpus. So... Uh, I knew a fair few folk, but uh, yeah, Kat and I really did get on tremendously well. What was your typical day like on set, uh, either with Kat or just just in general? Like, what was what was the like from the moment you woke up to the moment you went to went to bed? What was it like for you? <laughs> <laughs> Coffee is essential all the time. <laughs> then, um, so that's always first thing in the morning. Whatever I'm doing, um, then we, as I say, we had to be. Um, I was going to say bust, and it was a small bus out to uh, Cumbernauld um, and the studio is sort of uh, on a disused industrial estate. It's nothing swank or, you know, beautiful, uh, but it is immense and there were wonderful things like um, almost, a, I, I don't know what you call them in America, but a garden scented masses and masses of trees in pots and plants and but this a huge you know taking up an acre or more um so you'd walk through those you'd go to your trailer um and there you would await <laughs> the costume, the many underskirts, the many rolls the <laughs> the pockets on a string the you know the bodice the underbodies the the fichu, uh, the bonnet, um, and all of that would be applied. 
um, usually first, but sometimes not. Sometimes I had to go to makeup first and have my cheeks reddened and my wig applied. Um, and then we would wait. We'd, be, we'd go on and rehearse. Um, we'd have breakfast. We'd be allowed breakfast, which I used to try and eat quite early on because of the corsets, the, the sort of costume, getting getting your breakfast in and not getting it too squashed inside you. <laughs> um, uh, so we'd go on and rehearse. The, usually there is time out then normally for lighting because you show, you rehearse just the actors and director get together and rehearse. Um, but then you have to show all the technicians what you want to do. So then they have to, we sort of arrested, sometimes only for moments, sometimes for an hour, while they light um, and rig the sound and things like that. And then you're brought on and you start, you know, the process of filming and, and working. And that can be, you know, uh, many hours on one scene. If it's a huge scene and there's lots of technical problems or technical things to be achieved, um, we the dressing scene, which actually is is quite short uh, in the episode, we did in real time. So I had to dress Cap from naked through all the costume layers. Oh my um, word! <laughs> and I actually, yeah, and they closed the set, um, and I actually learnt a Gaelic song, which I I sang whilst we were doing, but it isn't. Maybe it's my singing, but uh, it isn't in the in the final cut. But um, yeah, they were they wanted to do all of that in real time, and that was very you know those things were filmed. We 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 filmed pretty chronologically to begin with, you know. So uh, so that was also a luxury because often you're filming so much out of sequence. Um, but we were pretty chronological to begin with, so that was uh, a real treat. And we were, as I say, allowed the luxury of, of doing something like the dressing scene in real time. Then Terry would come on with some, um, where we were filming was very cold and the castle is meant to be cold. So suddenly these knitted items appeared and there'd be a little knitted scarf or a pair of mittens or <laughs> <laughs> some little knitted item. So we used to call them Mrs. Fitz Knits and we decided she'd knit for the entire castle. <laughs> um, so that that was a fun little idea and she arrived on the, the day we were doing the dressing scene and with the, this was the first time these little woolen items appeared <laughs> so they had to be uh, applied to uh, Claire's body as well wow yeah did you get to keep any part of your costume or any part of the outfits that you wore no, no, because it, it wouldn't be practical, would it? It would be difficult in the 21st century. I think wearing a bonnet around would be <laughs> no, fine. No, I'm hoping it's still sitting there and I there will be some glorious moment where Mrs. Fitz returns. <laughs> I'm hoping that Claire suddenly remembers her or, you know. Something like that. I think that she, would be. Uh, I think that'd be a good organic way to get you back into into filming. Yeah. I, think, I, I would personally love to see that, but you know, I think I speak for everybody else when uh, when I mention that as well. Uh, so, if you were imagining a backstory for Mrs. Fitz, um, like you talked about how Miss um, Fitz knits, is there anything else that you think would be most important for 
us, the viewers, to know about her in terms of a backstory? I think her family is terribly important to her. There is no Mr. Fitz um, in the books or in the series. Uh, I think she's pretty much on the surface. I think she, uh, you know, what you see is what you get with her. There's no, there are no hidden corners or, um, you know, things to be manifest. I think she's pretty upfront and bold and, um, you know, will still be scrubbing uh, behind Murta's ears if he, you know, needs it and spanking them um, and telling them off and keeping those boys in line. She's absolutely dedicated to the clan, of course, and uh, the laird and... Uh, would fight, you know, she'd be out with the Dirk if necessary. Mm. You know, she'd be out in the field fighting with them. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. So, uh, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably thinking this as I'm about to say it. What does Mrs. Fitz and what do you, Annette, feel about her granddaughter, Leary? I mean, come on, what what's going on with her? Shame on the family. <laughs> Shame on the family. Oh, man. You know, you just... She needs spanking. Oh, my word, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you, you want to like somebody, you want to do the right thing, and she just keeps pushing you to, to not I do it. I know. <laughs> dirty wee bism, isn't she? Jeez, She's you a know, dirty wee bism. As a, as a show watcher, where, where, what did you think of, of uh, her role in the first and even the second season? Uh, I knew that took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, did you think that fit into the second season? I haven't seen the second series yet. Oh, okay. Never no, mind. No, <laughs> I haven't. So I just spoiled it for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, you haven't because you haven't given the game away. No, I haven't. Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> So what you know? Obviously, Mrs. Fitz is a very devout woman. She she's very she has a lot of faith. Uh, what do you think? But it, she stood up to the father, didn't she? Yes, she, I was um, just about to ask you. What do you think? Any nonsense? What do you think it took for that character to stand up to, to Father Bain the oh, way that in, she did? Enormous, yeah, absolutely enormous, and such a powerful figure in her life. Uh, but she will once she's decided something is true and real and and what is right. She's fearless, mm -hmm. absolutely fearless, but would take her an enormous amount to to actually speak in the first place. Is that would man as uh, domineering and uh, intimidating as he is in real life? <laughs> no. <laughs> good. <laughs> Very civilized human being. <laughs> good. Very good. Um, so tell me, what was your what your favorite scene that either you did or you had had seen from series one? Um, I love that first scene because of the boys coming back and um, the openness of it, and then meeting Claire for the first time. Uh, because I felt that that had a very good journey through it mm -hmm. um, and had many layers. So I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the scene where I injure myself and she looks after me. Uh, the big kitchen scene with the two boys, you know, two, I call them boys. <laughs> They're all lads to me. Um, 
I had such a good time on it. It's mm. hard to sort of pull any one thing out. I'm going to make a new showreel for myself. And Outlander will, of course, one of the scenes will be Outlander. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding it really hard to choose, which is fantastic. I mean, ultimately, it will be with, you know, what what material sits together with other material. Um, So I will ultimately have to choose just one scene (laughs) and it will have to be a companion piece to other pieces of film I've done. So it's going to be really interesting to see what works. Where does Outlander, uh, the experience for you fit into your world? Like um, where do you rank it among other uh, films or projects that you have done? Uh, Eight out of (laughs) 10. And recently, 10 out of 10, um, you know, I've really, it's one of the actors only ever have about half a dozen things that they really hold in their palm of their hand and, you know, treasure. Uh, And it is one of those. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the last few years, it was, I've said already that I've been in a soap opera for years now and um, I'm no longer going to be a regular in that Uh, but it also prevented me from Outlander wanting me to go back and I simply couldn't and I found that enormously painful I have tremendous loyalty to it and joy of it and um, I, I, I found the the journey it looked like it was going to happen and then it couldn't because of my filming schedule. And um, I really found that enormously difficult not to be there <laughs> when I could be. You know, so. Do you have um, a, a funny story or something that not, not a lot of people know um, about the set or your experience there? Something uh, like Scott Kyle? I don't know if they know I was up to my knees in mud in that courtyard <laughs> with squelchy suit shoes and uh, by the end of the day they wouldn't let me in the car with everybody else they made me go into a little easy up tent and take all my clothes off and put a dressing gown on um, and uh, change my shoes and squelch my way to a separate car they wouldn't let me in the car with everybody else because of course the the skirt was helping the mud progress up my legs (laughs) so it was a whole sort of claggy mess by the end of the day and I wasn't fit for human I wasn't allowed in with anybody else I wasn't fit for human consumption I was ostracized (laughs) that is great oh my word well that about does it for us is there anywhere uh, listeners can find you I know you had mentioned Twitter yeah Twitter Facebook but I tend to use Facebook is for sort of my friend people I know Mm mm-hmm um, personally, but Twitter is is something I've just ventured into in the last sort of two and a half, three weeks, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they can find me on there. Annette Badland One. Okay, yeah, there you go. Uh, let's give a shout out to your next project. What are you working on right now? Um, I can't say too much. It's a film that I'm uh, working on in Dublin, and it's called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Great. Um, 
Excellent. And I'm not supposed to say anything about <laughs> who's in it. Or, no problem. Um, as I say, I've been in EastEnders, mm -hmm. which is the soap I've been talking about. Uh, and my character is there. Um, I'm on screen till February. Um, and then I will be the new exec is insistent that it's not a departure, that I will return now and then. So there's that. And also I've been in a Terence Davis film, which is um, about Emily Dickinson, and it's called A Quiet Passion. So I play Aunt Elizabeth in that. And Keith, Keith Carradine's in it. Um, the people, people in America. I don't know what's happened to it in the States. Um, it's being released in March um, in England. I know that. Um, but I don't know what's happening to it in the States. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Like I said before, it's an absolute honor to speak with you. And, and thank you for taking uh, the time out of your extremely busy schedule to, to chat with us and, and uh, get your voice out directly to uh, all of the fans of Outlander. I know that they're really going to appreciate everything that you had to say today. No, oh, it's been my pleasure. And I'd like to wish them all a very, very happy Christmas and uh, a healthy and prosperous new year. And not just financially, but uh, for their souls and their spirits and all their loved ones. Um, they have brought great joy to me. Um, and I feel part of a very warm community. So, Merry, Merry Christmas. So, if you didn't notice, an entire interview was done by my handsome husband, Blake. He had to hold down the fort because before this we couldn't afford a babysitter, so I had to. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be be busy and doing my thing, and we. Uh, but yes, nonetheless, Blake, you did a great job. Did you enjoy talking to Annette as much as I feel like you did? You, you know, Annette is like she is just so sweet. I mean, as you can tell, she's wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and she's doing all the great things that she, she talked about, like getting ostracized out of the car and she wasn't able to get into it. And, mm -hmm. and then the great stories about Kat and how she related to her. Uh, she was just very warm and inviting and very easy to talk to. And I, I got to tell you, I was super, super nervous. Oh, well, you did a great job. Don't well, you fret. Thank you. And I, and I tried. I, I tried not to step all over her words. I just tried to let her take it. And it's very easy. I will tell you, a monkey could do this when you are speaking to someone as cool and as awesome as Annette Badland. I mean, that that is just... Well, she is so cool and awesome that she has actually given us the Outlander cast listeners and friends and family of Outlander cast, a holiday recipe. Yes, she has. Tell me more about it. Well, it's called Black Bun. Ooh. And I, I will not claim to know a whole ton about it. I do know that it's kind of like a fruit pie that's been covered in like crusts or something. I don't know, but... It, Whatever it is, she has given us this recipe, and it is going to be on outlandercastblog.com. So by the time you hear this episode, head on over to Outlandercast Blog, because you might say, you know what? I feel like making myself some black bun this That's holiday right. break. That's right. And uh, I'll also have uh, the, the entire recipe, how to make it, and maybe, just maybe, some video, too, as well, on how to make black bun. Fancy. Mrs. Fitz's recommendation for the 2016 holiday season. In addition to that, you will also have the OC blog exclusive of the 10 personal questions with Annette Badland. So if you love that Annette as much as I did, you will be able to learn about 10 personal things like uh, whether or not, whether or not she likes sweet or savory or yeah. if she uh, what her uh, favorite movie is, who her celebrity crush is, and I will tell you her answer 
although fairly obvious, I really I really appreciated it. Oh, nice. I really appreciated it. <laughs> well, I can't wait to read them myself. So that is that. My love, are you ready to close out this show? Oh, by the way, before we do close out, yes. I do want to thank out thank all of the uh, OC blog uh, staff members, the senior writers, yes. and, uh, and and the junior writers there as well for helping us with the questions for Annette. Uh, as always, we want to make sure that we don't ask the same amount of things and the same things to the same people over and over again. And they are a integral part to what we do when it, uh, when it comes to these interviews. So if you like the questions, please go to the OC blog and you will see all of the writers there that helped us out, helped create this interview. And thank you to Ashley Crawley, our editor-in-chief, for helping us put this fantastic interview together. She is amazing. And uh, that's about it. That, that's all I got. I love it. I love it. All right, you ready to uh, close out the show? Yes. Babs, take it away again, girl. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Now, little do you know, this is Mary's favorite Christmas song. Not by Babs, but this, Frost, this tune is yes. my fave. Yes. That's why I put it on here. I wish I could roast some chestnuts. We have a fake fireplace. <laughs> it's Can't electric. roast anything. Oh, let's just just let this ride. Being sung by and folks dressed up like Eskimos. So as a reminder, this is our second interview in the hashtag Gone Lander series. If there's someone that is no longer on Outlander, whether their character died, or we're just not gonna see them anymore. <laughs> Or say it's someone from the crew that may not be there anymore. Shoot us an email, outlandercast at gmail.com, so that we can reach out because Gone Lander is just going to keep on growing. And uh, the other thing that I want to recommend that you check out is the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering on Facebook. We are going strong, got a ton of great discussions going in there, some really great friendships and. Um, you know, connecting with people throughout the world mm-hmm. about Outlander. It's it's really a thought-provoking slash fun, just like safe spot to go and... Have a good conversation. Especially when Droughtlander is just going on for so long. So that is why <laughs> we're doing Gone Lander. That's why we want to bring you more content. That's why we really recommend you check out OutlanderCast blog. They are going to be posting a really cool blog post about the top posts, like the favorite posts from 2016. Um, so if you've missed anything, say you're new to the game here at OutlanderCast and the OutlanderCast blog, you definitely want to be in the clan gathering. It is the place to be. Tell me again about Patreon, Blake. Patreon.com slash OutlanderCast. That will get you to our Patreon page. And if you do think we offer enough value to you for your Outlander experience, please do consider donating a dollar or two. Like we have 3,000, over 3,000 members of our, clan. Uh, of our clan in the clan gathering Facebook page. If one, every one of those people donated just one dollar we would be able to make this our full-time job and give you a weekly in, uh, episode, interviews, just great content. We could, this could be our full-time job. You can listen to us all the time. You'd get sick of us. <laughs> Hold on. Ready? Hold on. Babs? Oh, oh goodness gracious me. All right. So Love her. Have a very, 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 very happy new year. You know, I'm still deciding whether or not if we're losers for podcasting on Christmas or if we're super awesome for podcasting on Christmas. I think we're super awesome. And you know why I think that? Because I think 2017 is going to be an awesome year. Yes. We're getting Outlander back. We're going to have a heck of a lot more Outlander Cast podcast episodes, especially if you contribute to patreon.com slash OutlanderCast. <laughs> I, love, I love podcasting. Yes, me too. And I love you guys. And I love... 
Annette. So, Merry Christmas, as Babs is singing right now. That's right. Merry Christmas. I have a cold. You know what? You know oh, what? She Let's took just it down. Her. She took it down low. Hold on. Bring it, Babs. To you. Until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. And Babs. <laughs> <laughs>